going to the dentist regularly is a is a really important thing and it's it's important to understand that it's not just about you know going there to see if i have any cavities it's really going in there to check your overall health Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Chris Adler, and I host and post a new podcast episode every Thursday on my website, Adler.tv. My guest this week is my dentist, Dr. Thomas E. Dudney. He owns and operates his offices out of Alabaster, Alabama. He's an aesthetic dentist, which means he does normal dentist stuff, but he also helps people make their teeth look more aesthetically pleasing. I'm trying to keep each of these episodes around 30 minutes long, but Dr. Dudney and I had tons to talk about, so I'm actually going to split this episode into two parts, this week and next week. Dr. Dudney is a great source of medical information, so I didn't want to cut any of that out. And by the time this podcast goes live, I will hopefully be on an airplane to Italy with my wife, and if I try to shoot and edit a podcast while on that trip, she may just leave me in Europe. Over the next two episodes, Dr. Dudney and I are going to talk about everything from flossing to fluoride, from cavities to cancer, and what to do during a traumatic tooth injury. Take a listen. I am here at Alabaster General aesthetic dentistry I'm, I'm getting all that wrong dr dunny i'm so sorry thank you so much for sitting down with me today dr dunny i just got my teeth cleaned and i don't have any cavities awesome i'm so excited about that because last be. time i had a shadow i think you called it is yeah, that right i think it's a place that it looked like it might be a cavity but we watched these and uh just want to make sure there's no change structural changes and there wasn't so um you know you have really good teeth Oh, well, thank you. You can be proud of your teeth. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good genetics. <laughs> Finally, something I can be proud of. There you go. <laughs> so how long have you been a dentist? Uh, let's see. I graduated from dental school in 1977. So if my math is right, I guess that would be 42 years. Is that right? I don't know. I can't do math. I can't at either. all. I'm guessing. I know it's I know it's around 40, but I think if nine minus seven is two, then that would be 42. 42 years. I'm going to take your word for yeah, it. That's a long time. That's amazing. <laughs> how do you, uh, like, how many how many years of school do you have to go to to be a dentist? So, you know, you have four years of college, you know, we call undergrad, and then four years of dental school. I went to UAB School of Dentistry here in Birmingham for four years after four years at Auburn. And then do you have to do, like, a residency? Well, you know, it's an interesting, that's a great question. Uh, in medicine, they they require, you know, all medical graduates to do an internship followed by a residency because almost, you don't have the old, you know, general doctor anymore, you know, the family doctor, almost all medicine is a specialty. Mm. Uh, and so they have to do an internship for a year and then they do some type of residency, whatever their specialty is going to be. In dentistry, it's not a requirement. There are general practice for it to be a general dentist. There are residency programs, but it isn't required. For me, my, in other words, you can go straight from dental school right into private practice. You can once you once you pass the board and you get your license, you can hang on a shingle and you can start practicing dentistry. The problem for me at least was is that I didn't really feel all that comfortable. In other words, you know, four years of school I don't think prepares you that well for what it, what we consider private practice or going in, in, into work. Uh, right out of dental school. Um, I think it would be beneficial, and I, I'm not 
really understanding why other than they just don't have programs of enough programs available for all for all graduating dental students but i think it would be beneficial to have at least one year after school to do some type of residency program uh, anybody going into a specialty program whether it's to be an orthodontist an endodontist a root canal specialist a periodontist that works on gums oral surgeons uh, they all have postgraduate work uh, or a specialty program they go through but to do to be a what we consider a general dentist to do restorative dentistry dentistry uh it's not required although i think it'd be beneficial have you ever had any cavities oh yes i started waiting i have a family dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh yeah i mean my family uh see i grew up in the south and we grew up you know with uh nobody in my family was a dentist uh we went to the dentist uh, but, you know, we consumed a lot of sugar, probably didn't have the best. I had two brothers and two sisters. We probably didn't have the best, best brushing habits. So, yeah, I've had, I had a lot of restorative dentistry over the years. Interesting. Yeah, including porcelain veneers about 21, two years ago now. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they've been doing the porcelain for, for that oh, yeah. long. Long time. I've been doing porcelain veneers for probably about 30 years. And veneers are like custom made mm -hmm. That's correct. teeth. Well, they're thin little, if you think of a thin little shell of porcelain, if you think of something very thin, uh, it's delicate until it's bonded on the tooth, and then it becomes very strong. But the benefit of it, of this thin shell is it allows you to be mentally invasive. In other words, with a, with a typical restoration, we call a cap, or a, the dental term is a crown. A lot of people refer to them as caps. When you do a crown on a tooth, you have to drill more tooth away to allow for the thickness of the crown. If you have something very thin, you don't have to drill as much tooth away. So you have a you have a much more minimally invasive procedure and you preserve more of the healthy tooth structure. That's one of the main benefits of a veneer. And the fact that they look very natural, they're strong, they're durable, they hold up a long time. I'm a perfect example of that. Haven't had veneers for over 20 years myself. I have many patients that have had veneers in their mouth for over 20 years. So they will last a long time. And when done well, they can look very natural. Yeah, so you you've got like, and you you send them like, do you, you send pictures off, and then somebody we makes do. them custom made we, or something? We do. We do. Our laboratory have a very good. It's important to do this kind of work. This, you know, anterior what we call small design, or when you're creating an uh, an aesthetic result, uh, laboratory communication is incredibly important in, in, in the overall result. So yes, we take a lot of pictures. Uh, we take impressions. We do temporaries that they wear that are uh, custom designed to simulate the final. Result. We even call it the trial smile, where they get to preview the final result in their smile before the laboratory ever fabricates the restoration. So once we have approval for the patient of their temporaries, we can then communicate that to the laboratory as kind of a blueprint for them to follow. So generally speaking, people are moving away from having like that glass on their bedside table and, and they take their teeth out at night and there's right. just like some teeth like floating in there with gums and stuff yeah, and it looks kind of crazy. We would like to think so. It used to be, you know, uh, it wasn't that long ago that the first option with the tooth problem was just take the tooth out, mm. whether it be pain, whether it be a cavity in the tooth, expense, or whatever reason. And the biggest reason for tooth loss, and it, ironically it still is, is gum disease, periodontal disease. Once you lose the bone support for the tooth, it doesn't matter how much money you have to spend or how badly you want to save the tooth. If there's enough bone to hold the tooth in, you, you know, you're going to lose the tooth. So, so gum disease, which led to periodontal disease and bone breakdown and bone loss is the biggest reason for, for tooth loss. Uh, the difference being now is that we have 
artificial ways of reproducing those lost teeth, what we call implants. So for our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, that, that their option was a denture, and that, as you said, teeth that, that went in a jar you know, or in a glass of water beside the bed, now we have options that, that you know, allow uh, patients to have permanent teeth or teeth that stay in the mouth. Yeah, that always freaked me out when I was a kid. When yeah. you see that that, right. that glass, and right. it's just kind of like and it has the teeth in it. <laughs> it's all, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a uh, like you're in like a a lab or something, right. and there's like a brain in a jar. It oh, kind of yeah, gave me that same feeling as it a is. kid. You kind of like going to the science lab instead of a brain or a snake. You know, you got teeth. Yeah, but yeah. What freaks you out more than the teeth in the jar is to see them when they take their teeth out. Yeah. I mean, I, I I still remember being in dental school, and the patients would come in. You'd see this little old lady, kind of frail, and you know, with a normal looking face, and they would take their dentures out, and their face would shrivel up and shrink in, and they'd age twenty years right before your eyes, and it was it's a kind of a startling effect of of just the, the deformity of the face when you don't have that support of the teeth. So the dentures coming out would, would leave a shocking result. It would. It really would. I was thinking about it on the way here, how much it changes your, your look and how I have zero, like, qualms with that you know right. for someone to fundamentally change the look of their teeth right I, I have no no qualms with that but if somebody were to get a nose job and, right. and totally fundamentally change that right i kind of would be like wait a second i don't know why right what what's what, what anything well, you know idea? a couple of things one is you have a nice nose so oh, well thank you so which, <laughs> but can you imagine somebody who didn't maybe somebody whose nose was abnormally large or had a really big like your large bump or something in their nose if they had something about their nose that caused them to be very self-conscious or 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 lower their self-esteem because of that then again having a procedure done to correct that or make it look better might be something really important to them yeah the kind of interesting thing that you brought that up so imagine if you will you know your you know your way your nose looks and you say okay i i want to have something done you go to the plastic surgeon and uh, they the procedure is called a rhinoplasty to yeah. to do uh, you know nose reconstruction and 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 reshaping or whatever. But they're going to say, okay, I don't like the way. And they say, fine. Well, let me show you some pictures of how your nose can be. And then you're just going to have to you know have the surgery done. You're asleep. You have the surgery done. You have a whole bunch of bandages on your face. And then when you at a certain time they take the bandages off and whatever's there is there. That's it. And you're hoping you have a good surgeon. And most of the time you do. And you're going to have a nice quality result. Now on the other hand, let's. See say you have teeth that you're terribly embarrassed by. Let's say I've had patients tell me I, I never smile. I can't smile for pictures. I talk with my hand over my mouth. I'm so embarrassed about my teeth or my smile or the way my teeth look. I, I'm afraid to go out in public, I, you know, this type of thing. So you're, you're, you have, you're horribly insecure. You have very low self-esteem. You're very self-conscious about your appearance of your teeth. And now you want to do something. And we can show them before and afters. We can say, okay, you could look like this, and this is what we can make you look like. But more importantly, we can put temporaries on their teeth that allow them to see how they're going to look. So now they can say, there's no you know, reveal of the bandages coming off or anything like that. I mean, they actually get to see with the temporaries when they're very well made. And this, I think, is one of the keys to our success, the way we do aesthetic dentistry today, is that we make temporaries that closely resemble the final result. So they can actually see it before it happens and this is so is improved greatly not only what we can do but for our laboratory now the laboratory instead of saying hey i want 
eight veneers. I want 10 veneers. I want make me 20 veneers. This is this is what we want. This is the shade we want. But this is also the size, the shape, the position, uh, the color. Everything is in included in the way we make the temporaries it just makes it a lot better but i don't i don't have a problem i don't think people with nice noses ever worry about their nose but somebody with a deformed nose might want to have something done about it yeah i had to kind of say to myself hey dude why do you have that attitude towards teeth but right. not towards the nose you know right. or whatever right. or whatever whatever you want to do so right yeah i kind of i kind of had to check myself on the way here like sure it was kind of interesting like i hadn't really thought about why i think about those things differently but um, and different people, Adler, you know, you have to understand, it's some people are, are, are very secure, people like yourself that are secure, self-confident. You might think of things differently than other people would. There are a lot of people that are very insecure and even the slightest, you know, perceived, you know, uh, abnormality can really bother them or, or create doubts in their mind of, and, and cause more insecurity and, and more loss of self-esteem. So it affects different people different ways. And, and it certainly is some people are just more adjusted and other people it affects. And the, the good news is it doesn't matter how you are, whether you have really good self-esteem or whether you have low self-esteem. If there's something legitimate and there's something that really bothers you, there's a reason for it. The, we live in a world in a time today where a lot of really good things can be done to be able to overcome that. And that's what that's why I enjoy this kind of work. I, I mean, we do all types of dentistry here, but I think aesthetic dentistry is by far the most fun to do because you get results that often are, are so rewarding, not just for the patient, but for us. We get to see people, you know, have uh, have a change in their life. I mean, this, this is one of the neat things about the Rick and Bubba show. We, you know, we've been doing the, the mother makeover for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, maybe longer than that. And uh, making this available to people who, I mean, it's not inexpensive to do this. And some people desperately might want to do it, but might not be able to financially. So having this opportunity to share this with someone who otherwise might not be able to do it and see how it can change their life in from something that they perceive as you know almost a deformity to something that transforms them into someone with a beautiful smile that really project projects in a way that they feel so good about themselves it's 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 a it's a good feeling it's an emotional feeling that makes you feel good and you know dentistry traditionally is not something that people you know, love. I mean, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, don't take this personally. I mean, my entire career, I've heard this, listen, don't take it personally, but I don't like the dentist or I hate the dentist, you know, and there's a lot of horror stories about the dentist and some of them are well-deserved. Uh, there are a lot of uh, pain and discomfort and everything associated with the dentist. So you hear that and it, it you know, and there, it's not always easy working on patients and, and it's not, you know, it's not the most grateful thing when people get done, but imagine somebody when you finish a procedure and they say, this is the best thing I've ever done, or this is the greatest thing that's ever done, or this has changed my life, or or this is the best money I've ever spent, that's a rewarding feeling. So other than just, it's not just the financial rewards, it's the emotional rewards that you receive from being able to provide things like this for patients. It's it's a great feeling, and it's something that's it's fun to do. It's fun for the whole office. They get excited about it. They love seeing the transformation. So we can get behind it and get really excited about it. Yeah, your teeth. I mean, 
you were talking about size and position and right. color. Is right. that the main three? Four four things make up a smile. Okay, I think four the four main ingredients of an attractive smile are size, shape, position, and color. Okay, so interestingly enough, so why are orthodonts in such demand? Because what's one of the things that can affect your smile? Position. Teeth are out of position. They're crooked. They're overlapped. There's big spaces. Anything like that. That's a position issue. If the size and shape and the color of your teeth are pretty good, all you need to do is get them in the right position, and that's an orthodontist. But what if you have small teeth? What if you have little bitty teeth? Or or if you have teeth that are broken down, or they're discolored, or they're a uh, tetracycline stain, or some really dark color? Just getting them in the right position may not be good enough. Uh, it's what's, so, what's tetracycline again? Tetracycline is something we don't see as much anymore, but years ago, in the, in the 50s, uh, there was an antibiotic called tetracycline. That's right. That were given because it was a broad-spectrum antibiotic that was very effective. Uh, but unfortunately, it had a horrible effect on, on mothers, expectant mothers, on the developing baby or on small children after they were born. It would get into their bloodstream and it would affect the color of their teeth and it would cause teeth to be very dark or very discolored. So it could have a, a, a traumatizing effect to see these, these children grow up with these really dark teeth, extremely dark, and have very ugly smiles because of it. Now, we learn this pretty quickly, we meaning the medical profession, and they know now to never uh, prescribe tetracycline to a, a mother that might be expecting or, or an expected mother or even a small child. But if you have something like that, the color issue becomes paramount. So being able to do something about that conservatively is a really good thing. So, but yeah, get it. so your question was well-founded. It's size, shape, position, and color. Those are the four issues we want to address. And the beauty of a porcelain veneer is that we can address all four of those issues. We can correct the size and shape of a tooth. We can correct the position of the tooth. Now, granted, if the position is way off, it might be better to do orthodontics first because you don't want to be too, too invasive in in correcting a position by drilling away healthy tooth. But if it's a small position change, we can affect that easily with a porcelain veneer. And obviously, the color is one of the best things. When you do porcelain veneers, you can end up with a really nice, pretty color that that is, I guess, the cherry on top as far as the smile goes. People like white teeth. We live in an age and a time where white teeth, because of bleaching and because of all the things that are available, uh, white teeth have become very important. Uh, people's appearance are judged on their smile. And ironically enough, if you look at studies today, and, 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 a, and the questionnaire asks, what is the first thing you notice when you meet somebody? The overwhelming number one response now is their smile or their teeth, as opposed to it used to be, the number one answer used to be eyes. So now it is an eye. So it's teeth followed by eyes is what people say they notice or remember about somebody. So your smile is incredibly important and people recognize that. And whiter teeth are a sign of health, vitality, youthfulness, all of those good things that we want. So a healthy smile with white, nice looking teeth is a real asset to someone. And and it's you know, it's achievable in, in our day and time with what we have available and with our technology. Yeah, it's uh, and it's also a natural expression of joy. Absolutely. And you see people tailor their right. entire being and entire outward expression so, to hide something, or absolutely. they they smile with like a, a weird, right. you know, Troy Aikman. He had a right. gigantic tooth chip growing up as a kid. So right. you can see high school pictures, middle school pictures of him doing a or crooked smile, smile. Right. just pu pulling that one part of his lip down and people tailor their whole life because right. they don't, so they, they literally stop themselves from feeling joy right. so that a smile doesn't break out because they're, they don't want 
they don't want to show what's behind the curtain, you know? Excellent point. And it's so true. There's two sides to that. Okay. The one side is the people that are embarrassed for whatever reason about the appearance of their teeth. They will, they will either never smile. They smile for pictures with their lips together. They train themselves to smile a certain way over the lip to be down. I see it all the time. We say it, we say it when we teach our courses that you have to be careful when you're restoring these smiles that you have to, they'll say, well, patients say, well, I wasn't really worried about the tissue heights because their lip is low. I say, yeah, it may be low because they've trained themselves to smile. So you have to be aware of that. But the other thing you have to understand is the, is the flip side of that coin. Not only is it the one side with people with ugly smiles or unattractive smiles that are embarrassed by it or train themselves to smile or not smile, it's the other side with people with pretty smiles. What do they do? They feel confident about smiling all the time. And I'll give you a perfect example of somebody you know, and that's Bubba, you know, Bill Bubba Bussy. Before he had veneers done, Bubba said he didn't smile that much because he didn't like the way his teeth looked. He said after he got veneers, he found himself just naturally smiling all the time. He says, he relates this to me, he said, I'll be walking through the mall, and he said, I will just find myself smiling, and he said, you know what happens? People smile back. To see, the interesting thing about the smile is it's a universal language. The smile is something that anywhere you go in the world, when you smile at somebody, they'll you will often get a return smile because people understand it. It's a it's an emotional response that usually transmits some type of of feeling good about yourself, but but also projecting projecting that to the other person. It's a really neat thing. It's a cool thing. You don't even have to speak the language to understand what a smile means. So the ability to do that and to be able to 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 see that smile and the other person smile back is a really is a really neat thing and it's fun if you can take someone who's never wanted to smile for whatever reason and give them the ability to not only have a great smile but feel good about smiling it changes their perspective of life it's a, it's a really i mean i don't want to over listen it's not brain surgery and it's not heart surgery and it's it's not going to save somebody's life and i don't want to be overly dramatic about it but i got to tell you i've seen instances where it turned around the way somebody felt or it changed how they felt or perceived themselves and and how they projected uh their feelings towards other people yeah i'm with you like like, like you mentioned the 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 smile the teeth that kind of thing there's so many there's so much information in there just a quick glance at somebody's teeth it's amazing there's so much information about that person yeah you mentioned how important a smile is my wife has perfect teeth she does and she i can attest to that that's right just saw her just saw her like a week or two ago (laughs) she had an excellent checkup in fact since you had a good checkup i told her your, your children are going to have great teeth. Well, good, Because both parents have good teeth. That usually is an indication that the kids are going to have good teeth. Some people have like almost like werewolf, vampire teeth. Right. Which, I mean, that can be kind of hot, but also sometimes it's kind of be a little much. What? Yeah. You know, so first off, that's, it's a... It's something that you can do something about if you don't like it. So the problem with pointed with the canine, the the eye teeth or the canine teeth, if they're a little bit pointed, it's kind of an aggressive look. It can be it can be a harsher, more masculine look. So for some people, if they're not too long, it might look okay. For females, it's probably never going to be a really good look because it tends to be more masculine, a little bit more harsh. It isn't that soft or feminine look, but it's very easy to round to slightly shape because 
remember I said size, shape, position, and color. So that would be a shape issue. Yeah. All right. So if the shape of the tooth is and the canines are a little pointed, it can mimic a kind of a vampire looks. So there are some things that can be done. You don't have to do a veneer on a tooth. You could sometimes just go in there and reshape it slightly. In fact, there's a term we use in dentistry called enamelplasty. All that means is you reshape the enamel a little bit and then polish it up and it's you're good to go. So if you if you I always heard like be careful uh, once your enamel goes it's gone right that That's kind of true. thing so when you reshape true. that enamel you're right. just you just make sure that you leave a right. thin layer right. That's kind of true thing. so there's so the the outer layering or the outer coating of your tooth is enamel okay enamel is ironically it's the hardest substance in the human body enamel is harder than bone and it's harder than fingernail. So it's very hard, it's very durable. The underlying surface of your tooth, the next layer is called dentin. Now dentin is nine times softer than enamel. So it's very important for the enamel to protect is to be the outer protective coating. And you're right, when you lose the enamel, it's gone. But not only is it gone, but the dent is exposed. And since dent is a lot softer, you don't have that harder protective coating. But if you reshape enamel and you're minimally invasive, so the enamel might be, say, two millimeters thick in the cusp tip or two and a half millimeters or two millimeters, you can take half a millimeter off and you still have plenty of thickness of enamel there as long as you're not in some type of a wear situation. So where people are grinding their teeth or wearing the teeth down, you, you would want to be careful of it there. But if people were grinding their teeth, they wouldn't have pointed canines. They would have already ground them down. They've already done the work for you. Wow. So you could take somebody with a pointed canine and you're not going to wear, you're not going to grind through the enamel. You're just going to reshape it a little bit so it's not so pointy. See, that's amazing. I, I, and so when you guys go and you're kind of taking the hooks to the, your uh, teeth and all right. that stuff. Wow. By the way, my teeth feel so good and clean. That's yeah. amazing. You guys do a great job. All right. My mouth feels really that. good. That was, that was Ashlyn. I can take no credit for that. I was panic brushing my teeth on right. the way here in the car. Right. Uh, Cause I. I didn't, I didn't brush my teeth this morning, Doc. I, well, you know, we're going to cut so, you. We'll cut you some slack. I'm hey, you so had a good checkup, you know? Oh, your good. gums look good. Your teeth look good. So I can't, I got to cut you a little slack. I can't fuss at you too much there. Well, I, it's, I've gotten a lot better. And um, yeah. just like, as I get older, I understand, like, I don't want to get drilled again, right. you know? Like, well, that's, even, that's something that if, if you do a tiny bit of work every right. day, it'll it'll keep you and in you a know, good And spot. that's the important thing to understand. People, even with people with good teeth, say, well, I don't ever get a cavity. I don't need to go to the dentist. Well, not necessarily true. There's a lot of things that you can catch early. The I don't care if it's dentistry, medicine, or whatever it is. Early detection is the key to anything, catching something early. So even if you never get cavities, one thing that the dentist does is – not only do they clean your teeth, but they reinforce good brushing habits or they remind you or they they uh, talk to you about things like fluoride and, and, and flossing your teeth and things that are going to be important. But they might catch something early. They might see an early sign of periodontal disease. I mean, 70% of the adult population is estimated – have some form of periodontal disease, 70%. Like so, what, what, what do you mean? So gingivitis, the earliest sign of periodontal would be gingivitis, which just means inflammation of the gums. You have a little plaque that remains there, some plaque that turns into tartar calculus, and it causes some inflammation in your gum. It's easy to treat. It's easy to heal. But it, untreated, it will continue to progress on into gum disease. So catching that early might be an important thing, even though you don't have a cavity. So going to the dentist regularly is a, is a really important thing. And it's, it's important to understand that it's not just about, you know, 
go in there to see if I have any cavities. It's really going in there to check your overall health. Our, our hygienists are trained. They look for signs of, say, oral cancer in, in addition to gum disease. Uh, there are certain systemic uh, conditions that manifest themselves uh, orally. Uh, we see signs that, that might be early detected. Certain wear patterns on teeth might indicate a, uh, a sleep apnea or some type of airway obstruction uh, causing people to grind their teeth. There's, there's certain things you can catch by going to the dentist that you might not know about. Uh, we look not just at the teeth. We're looking at the gums, the cheek, the tongue, everything in the oral cavity. Yeah, uh, and sleep apnea, that'll, that, that's a silent killer. Isn't that, isn't that what they call it? No, Chris, that's not the silent killer. The silent killer is high blood pressure. You know, it, it's very dangerous, and it's really hard to measure and to ascertain exactly what happens because people that suffer from sleep apnea that's untreated, basically what they're doing is they quit breathing. And it isn't until the brain says, hey, I'm not getting any oxygen, and they stall themselves awake. But they say they can have multiple episodes a night. But what happens is they never get really good sleep. Mm -hmm. So people that suffer from sleep apnea – are, are tired during the day and it, it affects their job performance. They feel like maybe a lot of people falling asleep at the wheel of a car could be related to sleep apnea and things like that. So, so testing for it. And if you, if you feel it, it, just because you snore doesn't mean you have sleep apnea, but people that have sleep apnea often snore. So snoring could be an indication. It may not be, but it's always, it's pretty easy to check. Uh, you could do something called a sleep study to find out if you suffer from any form of they. They're usually measured mild, moderate, and severe. Uh, severe, obviously, is something that definitely needs to be treated. They usually use a machine called a CPAP. It's just positive air enforcement that you wear, kind of like a little pilot's nose mask, you know, that, that, that gives positive air. So you don't – you sleep better at night and you don't have these episodes where you stop breathing. You know, it does – it keeps your airway from getting obstructed. Some, some uh, mild forms are treated with, a, with an appliance, a dental-type appliance that positions the jaw forward to keep the airway open. So there are different, different things that can be done in different ways that can be treated. It's certainly worth looking into because there's some pretty good documented studies out there showing that undetected and untreated sleep apnea can lead to some serious problems. Yeah, I um every once in a while I I, don't, I never sleep on my back anymore actually right. just because I I can't get good sleep um and like I'll wake up kind of doing like a kind of right. thing like what's going on my goodness when I I lay on my back it, or right. when I lay on my side it's fine right. I don't sleep on my stomach anymore because that kills my back right I, and that was a big transition to have to make to figure right. out how to sleep on my side you know right. I have to use like a big old body pillow my wife hates <laughs> it it takes up half the bed but. And then that way my knees don't – I don't feel all compressed, you know. But she, uh, she doesn't think you like the pillow better than her. Does. No, no. Okay. Uh, right, I, I, I just have to remind her that, right. you know. And it's, it's, right. it's just so I can right. sleep, babe. It's just there so I can is. sleep. That's it for part one with Dr. Dudney. We'll be back next Thursday with part two. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate your feedback and criticism. So if you've got any of that for me, be sure to comment below. And if you dig this podcast, be sure to like, review, and subscribe. It really does help. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts or watching on YouTube or Spotify or Anchor or whatever it may be. See you next week with part two. Okay. Okay. So you'll put your hands right here. Okay. Is this a video game or... A video? No, it's just an X-ray. Oh, okay. All right.